Hey guys, this is going to be a solo edition of the Locked On Nets podcast. Um, it's I know, well, I guess I'm on it at the beginning, so it's not really a solo edition, but it's going to mostly be Josh from here on out. I just wanted to put in a uh, disclaimer at the beginning of the episode. We were running behind, uh, thanks to me being away all weekend. So this is uh, Josh catching you guys up on what happened against the Nuggets and the Warriors. And uh, I know you're all probably not going to want to listen to it. Right now, after uh, Karis LeVert's uh, tragic leg injury, I'm, I'm recording this right after it happened, so I don't have all the details on it, but it, it looked, again, just extremely horrific and like it could potentially end his season. And, and we obviously, because it's just Josh, and he recorded it before the game even started. We, we don't mention it here. Um, I, I just wanted to, to make it clear to everyone that we are going to do a podcast Reacting to that, the schedules uh, didn't really work out to record it tonight, but we're going to record it midday tomorrow and have that one out for you. I just I just wanted to let everyone know that that was coming, and uh, I feel weird just putting out a normal episode after that happened. It was obviously extremely traumatic. I don't I don't want to comment too much more on it um, until until I'm doing it with uh, Josh tomorrow early afternoon. But just wanted to have this in here. Thanks, guys, um, and, and I really appreciate it if you. If you're willing to listen to the rest of this episode, Josh uh, put a lot of work into it, and it, they were two um, two very interesting games for different reasons. And I, I still ho- hopefully you guys think it's still worth it to um, hear some positive, and hopefully it brightens up your day a little bit. All right, uh, we'll again we'll have something on Karis later. We are back with another edition of the Locked On Nets podcast. Uh, I am your temporary co-host for today, Josh Bass. Unfortunately. Gavin cannot be with me because I exiled him much like the Rockets did to Carmelo Anthony and, and says he has a mysterious disease. So uh, Gavin will, will be back for the next episode, but you're riding solo with just Josh for this one, taking you through a exhilarating 112-110 Nets victory over the Nuggets, including a buzzer beater by our boy Karis LeVert. And then we'll also uh, briefly discuss, because who wants to talk about the bad news, uh, 116-100 loss to the uh, Golden State Warriors, a team that's that's pretty good in my book. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about those two games, what it means going forward, and uh, some key takeaways next on Locked on Nets. You are Locked on Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back talking about a 112-110 Nets victory. Uh, one of the best wins uh, of the last couple years for the Nets. I mean, going on the road, beating a very tough Denver Nuggets team that was 9-2 and coming into play. Uh, a game where their star player, Nikola Jokic, had 37 points, 21 rebounds on 14-22 shooting. They couldn't stop him. But uh, guess what? The Nets played a really good team game. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, I thought, had his best game of the season, definitely. Maybe even as a net, we'll talk about uh, Kenny Atkinson's decision not to play him in the final possession. Uh, Clearly it all worked out, though, as the Nets get that win. Uh, Let's start at the end. Karis LeVert, 17 points, 5 assists, hits that great floater at the end of the game. Uh, I mean, Gary Harris, credit to him, got right up in Karis's grill, playing really tough defense. I thought there was a possibility that Gary could have gotten that steal. Karras does a nice job of breaking him down, pulls up for the floater. And how is that not an and one? I mean, he couldn't come down. He, he fell when he came down because the Nuggets big man, I think it was Millsap, 
was just in his path. So that should have been uh, an and one in my book. And obviously the game would have been completely over then because Karras could have intentionally missed the free throw. Uh, and there would have been no time left because there was only 0.3 seconds on the clock. Nuggets do get a chance, uh, a last second chance to win the game. Uh, I think it was either a Gary Harris or Jamal Murray three-point attempt. Obviously, you can see that even though Gavin's uh, not here, we are still as ill-prepared as always. Uh, but I got a little bit scared on that three-point attempt because, you know, it, it's it's tough because they're at home. Uh, the Nuggets have their, their scoreboard guy working the clock. Who knows if he's going to start it right away. Maybe he'll give them an extra two-tenths, three-tenths of a second. And by my eye, it was actually Malik Beasley. It looked like Malik Beasley might have gotten that shot off in time, and it was a pretty decent look because the Nets were so concerned about guarding the tip-in um, that they let Malik Beasley have a relatively good look considering it's only 0.3 seconds left from three, uh, but he missed, and, and the Nets got that win. Um, huge game for them. Listen, these are the types of games that you need to steal if you want to be uh, a playoff team, and the Nets obviously have those aspirations, um, so it's, it's great to see them win a tough game against a really high-quality opponent. And Lavert, who didn't have the his best game of the year, definitely struggled a bit at the line, going four of nine on free throws, and that's pretty uncharacteristic of him. And between him and Jared Allen, the Nets uh, could have put this game out of reach with decent free throw shooting. Those guys combined for eight of seventeen uh, at the charity stripe, which is pretty awful. Um, but but Lavert got it done in the clutch and. The Nets had had faith in him the whole season to be that go-to guy, um, the guy they say, hey, we're going to get out of the way and let you make a play. I mean, no screen came for Levert. He just beat Gary Harris one-on-one. Um, I thought that the Nets did a pretty good job overall. I mean, some poor play from the bench. It was good to see Damari Carroll back in action. He got 14 minutes. I thought he uh, had a pretty good uh, job with his energy and, and playing pretty hard. Spencer Dinwiddie getting 30 minutes, even though he didn't have his best shooting night, 3 of 11 from the field. Did get to the line six times, have uh, six rebounds and six assists for no turnovers. Uh, But I thought D'Angelo Russell was really excellent in this game. I mean, he goes 3 of 5 from 3. He had some nice defensive plays in the first quarter. And that's kind of been a trend that we've seen out of D'Lo, getting in passing lanes, uh, playing harder, fighting a bit more over the screen, which is... uh, kind of been an Achilles heel for him years past that he just dies on screens. Seen a, a bit more fight from him on the defensive end, which is great. Uh, I'm just surprised that Kenny Atkinson took him out. And uh, I mean, obviously, tie game, uh, 15 seconds left. The Nets want to spread the floor and Delo's not out there. And I feel like he had such a good game. And I'm trust me, I'm not the biggest Delo fan. People know that. But you have to reward him by at least having him out on the floor. I mean, what does that mean? Especially when a guy like Alan Crabb, who's been absolutely horrible this entire season, uh, below replacement level, is on the floor for the last possession of a tie game, and D'Angelo Russell's not. So curious decision there by Kenny Atkinson. I thought he had a couple other decisions that were curious. I mean, he's back-to-back games going with a bench lineup of Spencer Dinwiddie, Alan Crabb, Damari Carroll, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, and Ed Davis. And the problem with that lineup is that there is just no creation or spacing for Spencer Dinwiddie. And he basically has to resort to doing everything on his own. And there's not a space floor because RHJ uh, cannot really play with a non-shooting center, which is unfortunate because the Nets have two non-shooting centers right now that are basically playing 
all the minutes. Uh, Damari Carroll is the guy who's better equipped to be the four than three. Alan Crabb, we're not sure if he can dribble yet, and, and really um, he's completely neutered every time he takes a step inside the three-point line. So I'm surprised, actually, that with Damari Carroll coming back, it limited Shabazz Napier's minutes because I would think that he'd be safe and maybe say, hey, we'll reduce Dudley's minutes um, because even though Dudley does provide a nice aspect with his ability to space the floor and he's a, a smart defender, he is struggling with his three-point shot. And also what teams are learning, smart defensive teams like the Nuggets, as soon as Dudley dribbles inside the three-point line, he he's looking to pass only. He's not going to look to drive it to the basket and finish. So they're just playing. They're not helping off of their man to guard him, staying on their man, and Dudley's dribbling into the middle of the floor wide open with no one to pass to, and he's not going to want to take a shot. So uh, he's been a little bit um, – his effect hasn't been great. I mean, I think overall in the offense he's probably a net uh, – positive just because he can space the floor and even though he's had a slow uh, first 13 games of the year shooting people still respect his shot because he's a career 40 percent shooter but would like to see him turn it around or maybe Damari Carroll get more of his minutes um, but yeah I thought the Nets played well Jared Allen had some nice plays defensively five blocks uh, had that one play where he beasted Nikola Jokic on the offensive rebound and dunked it uh, uh, that was great to see um, what a really good play by him. He had a couple plays where I thought he was a bit tentative when he shot and could do a bit better, 7-14 to 14 from the field. You like to see that be uh, a bit higher of a percentage than the 50% he shot. But overall, positive game from him. And uh, really, what it came down to is that Jamal Murray and Gary Harris combined to shoot 6 of 25 from the field. Murray's the guy that had 48 points earlier that week against Boston. The Nets did a decent job against him, but he also missed a couple open shots. Uh, thinking about that shot in the last minute of the game, he had a wide open 16, 17 footer, which he's usually going to knock down all the time and, and just shanked it. So um, I think that the Nets got lucky, but I think they did a decent job on, on Jokic, even though his numbers were gaudy. Jokic is just tough to stop. And I, I like the adjustment that Kenny made when he put the four, which was Ronde at the time on Jokic. And then that allowed Jared Allen to come and, and be a helper uh, just because Jokic was beasting whomever in the post and you'd rather have a better help defender uh, in Jared Allen come over as opposed to Rondé. It's tough because Jokic is such an elite passer, but they did a pretty good job on him. For, Jared Allen forced that travel violation um, on one of the, the last possessions of the game, which gave the Nets the edge there. Um, so so great all-around performance by the Nets. want to shout out a guy on Denver, Monty Morris. Did anyone else know this guy was that good? I mean, he was good at Iowa State. He was a solid point guard, second-round guy, but he was came, coming out and playing the pick-and-roll really well, hitting a ton of tough mid-rangers, finished 7 of 11 from the field, 15 points. I thought he did a nice job orchestrating the offense for them. And I really like Denver's second unit. I really like Juancho Hernan Gomez. Trey Lyles took the leap last year. Uh, Monty Morris is a very solid player, as I just mentioned. And Malik Beasley is a guy that uh, I liked a lot coming out of Florida State. He's been a bit inconsistent, but he's still only 21 and could develop into a, a nice role player. So Denver, listen, I mean, this is not a fluky 9-3 and three team that the Nets beat. It wasn't like a, a Sacramento Kings type team where Sacramento is 7-5 and five right now and no one knows how the hell they got there. This is a legit team that has a chance to make the Western Conference Finals. Um, not necessarily put up a fight against the Warriors, but beat any other team in the Western Conference and the Nets went on their home floor in Denver where they have a huge home court advantage and beat them. So Great to see by the Nets. Um, we'll take a quick break here and uh, 
talk to you a bit more about the Warriors game when we come back uh, and share some insights there. A disappointing 16-point loss to an undermanned Warriors team. Uh, but we'll be right back after this break. Hey guys, ever since I became a host of Locked on Nets, people have always been asking me for advice. Usually it's which team to bet on this week, and anyone who's looked at the NFL pick pool I do with my friends knows that I am not the man to ask. But if you are, then you need to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is extremely easy to use. You can lay down some cash and win big today. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. For Rams Chiefs next week, maybe just go over across the board. So join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code ENTERLOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's E-N-T-E-R space locked on, all in caps, to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code ENTERLOCKEDON when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. Josh Bass back here with Locked On Nets. Uh, going solo today. We'll talk a couple minutes about the Nets-Warriors game uh, not a ton to say here. Nets were going up against an undermanned team, uh, undermanned Warriors team, which is still better than pretty much every other team in the league. Uh, obviously, no Steph Curry, no Draymond Green. Livingston was out as well. Uh, Quinn Cook did his best Steph impression, 27 points on 11 of 16 shooting, 5 assists, no turnovers. I was going to pick him up in fantasy, and if I did, I would have won my week. But instead, I stupidly stuck with Eric Gordon, who's shooting... 32-ish percent from the field this year. Um, but really, once the third quarter got underway, there was no chance the Nets were going to win this. They were down between 15 and 20 for most of that third. Um, didn't really ever make a serious comeback. Finally, lose by 16. I thought that, uh, you know, D'Lo came out and looked pretty good, hitting a couple open jumpers. Uh, obviously, a big thing to note is that no turnovers for him this game, and that's been something that he's gotten better at I think uh last few last four games only four turnovers he's taking care of the ball better he's making some high level reads at the end of the day it's still his shooting and his lack of ability to score efficiently that's holding him back I mean five of 16 uh against the Warriors one of five from the from three-point line only one free throw attempt which was on a, a technical foul he just struggles to score to get good shots efficiently I mean even against Denver, he shot the ball well, had a pretty efficient night, but he was still taking those same tough mid-rangers off the dribble that he always takes, and it's either it's going to go in or it's not, and if it goes in, he'll have a decent game, and if it's not, he's just pretty useless scoring the basketball. Um, and someone tweet at me if I'm wrong, but I can't remember a ton of point guards who have good passing vision, um, solid floor general, but they struggle to score efficiently, and those players end up being a uh, high-level starter or even all-star level contributor. And my problem with Russell is that this is his fourth season, and he's still exactly the same as he was uh, in his first year. Still sub 51.5% true shooting percentage, which is just god-awful, especially considering how much usage he has. Uh, well, Karis LeVert in this one, um, one of six from the field, had a rough night uh, and left in the third quarter with a knee injury. He's He's playing against Minnesota, so... 
not too bad there, but you like to see him have a bit more consistency. Joe Harris, I mean, speaking of consistent, the guy is a, is a stud, 24 points, 9 of 12 from the field, four three-pointers made. Uh, I think he's right now the odds-on favorite to win the three-point contest. I'm super excited to see him in it because his release is just picture-perfect. Um, and I think he can represent Brooklyn well. Who knows? Maybe it will be the second year in a row that the Nets win a uh, one of those Saturday night events after Spencer Dinwiddie won the Skills Challenge last year, and that was the uh, highlight of my season as a Nets fan, I know. Uh, I'm sure it was for many of you as well, which is which is sad to say, but um, already a great win like Denver, and the, the Knicks game was really good, the first one, not the second. So um, the Nets have plenty of highlights on the actual basketball court this year and don't have to rely on that Saturday night event. Uh, Rhonda Hollis Jefferson, I think it's it's going to be the time soon to start questioning his fit on this team because last year with Quincy AC playing a lot at the five, uh, even Zeller having a guy that can stretch out a little bit, uh, he was kind of masked and he was able to operate more one-on-one in the in the mid post and, and thrive there. But two centers on this Nets team now, uh, Jared Allen at Davis, and they really just don't have any space for him to play. And he looks so awkward in the in the corner um, when he catches the ball. His three-point shot is still broken. He's not coming close on a lot of these misses. Uh, he would probably be better served, I tweeted this over the weekend, getting traded to a team with a, with a three-point shooting center um, just because he'll have more space to operate. Because right now, on this Nets team, he's just not gonna, in a position to succeed, and it's going to hurt his own uh, value on the free agency market. So if I was his agent, I, I don't even know who that is. Uh, I'll look it up right here, but... I would be thinking, where can we get Rondé to where he can be in a position where he can actually have some space to work with, show off his one-on-one scoring skills, which are decent, um, and be in a um, maybe a position where he can thrive defensively. So um, Nuggets would actually be a decent fit. Millsap's not what he once was. Uh, he's still a better player than Rondé, but um, he's overpaid. I can see them looking to trade him next year, and he's always hurt. So maybe that could be a good fit there. Uh, if KP was healthy, I would say the Knicks could be a fit. Uh, but obviously, at, at this point, with Cantor uh, and Mitchell Robinson playing center, it's not the best stop, best spot for Rondé. A um, couple other teams, I mean, Timberwolves, he could kind of play in that uh, mid-post role alongside Carl um, Anthony Towns. Obviously, they just got Sharich and Covington, so they have a couple combo forwards, so maybe not the biggest need for him. But let's think through some trade ideas for Rondé, maybe... Next time me and Gavin are back together, we can uh, throw some stuff out there and see if there's anything that we like. Because the Nets, at this point, looks like it would be tough for them to, to re-sign him for a contract that he's going to like. And, and maybe um, there are a couple teams out there that will offer him $10 million or so a year. And I don't know if the Nets are going to feel super comfortable matching that. Uh, so maybe they're going to try to recoup any value they can. Um, but yeah, I think for this one, it was good to see Kudowitz get a couple minutes in, in uh, garbage time. I thought he... Did a nice job. Napier obviously played a ton just because the game was out of hand. I'd like to see him in the in the rotation. I think he's done a nice job this year. He can shoot. He can get to the basket. He makes stuff happen. Um, so I think that gradually he's going to work his way back into the rotation. Um, and maybe we'll see, especially if a trade happens where RHJ gets sent out or someone like that. It's going to open up a lot more minutes for um, some of the other peripheral guys in the rotation. Uh, Alan Crabb, again, not the best from him. One of eight from the field, one of six from three, uh, continues his impressive streak of 142 minutes with no free throw attempt, and uh, this is up there with uh, with a Cal Ripken type streak for me or Peyton Manning because it's just fascinating to me how a guy who's pretty athletic, 
good size, um, just cannot draw a free throw attempt to save his life. I mean, besides him getting fouled on the three-point line when he's shooting, I can't remember one foul this year where he's drawn and earned free throws going to the basket. Um, So he's someone that I think that the Nets have missed on because they gave him that offer sheet, which Portland matched. I said, okay, uh, they learned their lesson. It was too close for comfort. We got away with one. And then they go out and trade for him. And I understand we got rid of Andrew Nicholson's contract, but uh, Alan Crabb, even then at $12 million a year, and it's not really $12 million a year because his contract is still so hard to trade because it is 18 actually, even though you subtract the Andrew Nicholson salary. Um, and he's taken up a lot of developmental time for a guy like Kurutz or even Zana Musa, who I like a lot. So um, listen, I think that Crabb, if he continues this over the next five games or so, let's Kenny, let's, let's get on this. Let's start to cut back some minutes. Um, but yeah, those are thoughts on the Warriors games. Um, please, I forget what Gavin says at the end, rate, review, subscribe, do all the good things that me and Gavin would want you to do. Tweet at us. We love engaging with fans. Even if you say mean stuff or that we don't know what we're talking about, or Gavin's a dumb Knicks fan, uh, that the last one's okay. You can feel free to say that, uh, and tweet at our account locked on nets. Um, and we will be back in your ears, hopefully Wednesday morning. Thank you.